Welcome to episode 27 of Unfolding Words, God's Relentless Pursuit of You. I'm your host, Antracia Moorings, and this is the weekly podcast that's dedicated to sharing biblical truth that offers life for your walk and life for your soul. We hear a lot of talk about man's free will, our ability to choose the route that we take in life. But God is relentless in his pursuit of us, even though we have free will to turn down his persistent chasing. The whole Bible is the story of how God is seeking out his people to return to him. That's the heart of the gospel. God going after sinful people. He's in pursuit of those who have been separated from him by sin. We are constantly hiding and running from a loving God because of our sin. It's our sin that makes us hide. There's a poem that I want to talk about or focus on today by Francis Thompson called The Hound of Heaven. Some of you may be familiar with it. It so beautifully depicts this truth that God is always in pursuit of us, whether we're a sinner or whether we're one of his children. And in The Hound of Heaven, the speaker runs from God in order to maintain the pleasures of his sinful lifestyle. Let me give you a little bit of background on Francis Thompson. He was an English poet of the 1890s, and Hound of Heaven is his most famous poem. He was 12 years old when he was sent to study for the priesthood at a Catholic seminary by his father. He was known for getting very good grades in Latin, Greek, and English, but at 18, he was found unsuitable for the priesthood due to his, quote, nervous timidity and natural indolence, unquote. He returned home, quote, a failure in his own eyes and a disappointment to his parents, unquote. And this is according to his biographer, J.C. Reed. So his father sent him to study medicine in Manchester. But seven years later, after wasting time and failing his final exams three times, he was forced to get a job and drop out of med school. And it was during this time that he began to take opium for his neuralgia, which is nerve pain. His next attempt was to join the army, but basic training proved to be too much for him. So he returned home. But his father had suspected he was drinking and kicked him out. So he left for London. But it wasn't drinking that was a problem. It was the drugs. He had become addicted to opium, which was cheaper than any beer or liquor. So in his pursuit to maintain his drug habit, he had to peddle encyclopedias on the streets and get by any way he can. At one point, he was even selling matches to survive and maintain his drug habit. So the result of his life was one of poverty and desolation on the streets. He went to London, where from 1885 to 1888, he lived in basic destitution. He had reached rock bottom when someone persuaded him to submit some poems to Mary England, which was a Catholic magazine edited by Wilfred Maynell, who was husband of Alice. Both of them were Catholic poets. So the Maynells rescued him and became his best friends. They bought him new clothes, housed him, basically got him back on his feet. And in 1888, the publication of two of his poems in Wilfred Maynell's periodical, Mary England, aroused the interest of a famous poet named Robert Browning, who many of you may be may be familiar with. But while he was rescued and given a second chance, it was while he was living in poverty on the streets that he contracted tuberculosis. So though he had fought his drug habit, he eventually succumbed to tuberculosis and died a month short of his 48th birthday. So The Hound of Heaven is a very long poem. I think it has almost 200 lines in it. Um, But I'm just going to read a few of the opening lines. This will give you a feel for how God was pursuing him. It says, this is the poet speaking, 
I fled him, him meaning God. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the mist of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter. Up vista hopes I sped and shot, precipitated, a down titanic glooms of chasmed fears from those strong feet that followed, followed after, but with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat, and a voice beat, more instant than the feet, all things betray thee, who betrayest me. And me is capital, referring to God. This same pursuit by God can be seen in the Bible. We see this in Genesis 3 and 8. And it says, And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now they were hiding because they had sinned. They had eaten of the fruit, which the Lord had told them not to eat of. And as a result... They were in sin. And what we know is that sin separates. Sin disrupts fellowship with God. Despite this, God still sought them out. Adam and Eve knew that when they heard the Lord coming, he would want to be with them. This was how the Lord had fellowship with Adam and Eve in a very natural, close and intimate way. But God's presence brought fear rather than joy because of the conviction of sin that they had. The man and the woman, they bit on the temptation in the form of the fruit on the tree to become like God. And so now they were uneasy in his presence. So they hid among the trees of the garden, among those same trees that God provided so that they could eat freely. The man and the woman now use God's gift as a barrier to separate themselves from God. And the beautiful thing is that God did not meet them angrily. He walked towards them, not away. Now, those of you who are parents know that when your children disobey you, you're not walking towards them in a loving manner. We're usually marching in anger towards them. So to see God walking towards them, seeking them out, shows the heart of God. God had every right to be angry at Adam and Eve's disobedience, but his first action was to seek them out to make peace with them. He questions them, where are you? He wants to keep the lines of communication open, but it's the sin that is blocking the fellowship. And God is still doing this today for the sinner and for the one who has accepted Christ, but has broken fellowship because of some failing. God is still pursuing us. And he does this by alluring us by his mercies. And this is the way that he promised to deal with his people. We see this in Hosea chapter two, verses 14 and 15. They say, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, speaking of the nation of Israel, and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Acre a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. God also pursues people by the ministry of the gospel, which is offered not only to the children of God, but he does this pursuit through his people, you and I, to persuade and beseech people to embrace the message of peace and reconciliation that he offers. We see this in Second Corinthians 5 and 20. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. 
God loves us first, so he seeks us first. The Spirit of God is always seeking us out, whether it's a direct communication from God or whether through it's a messenger of God in the form of a preacher or a teacher. Isaiah 61 and 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is how God pursues and God pursues so that in turn, we will turn and pursue him. See, we cannot turn our hearts to God unless he draws us, which moves us to pray, turn us and we shall be turned, which is from Jeremiah 31 and 18. This love is clear in Jesus's redemptive work on the cross. It's the clearest and its most perfect element of God's plan for attracting sinful man to himself. The fall of man in the garden left him estranged from God. So without Jesus, you and I, we have this deep chasm where we cannot fellowship with God intimately. So that sin leaves us lost and unable to find our way back to God. So if man is ever to find his way back to the Father, he's required to take God's leadership over his life, and he's required to follow God's direction. And as part of God's pursuit of us, he's constantly following us. Psalms 23 and 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Message Bible, although not my favorite, has a beautiful translation of this verse. It says, Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. So whether you're a sinner or whether you're a saint already, God is constantly in pursuit. He's constantly following you with goodness and mercy, with his beauty and his love. And we love him because he first loved us. He pursues us, as I mentioned earlier, so that we will in turn pursue him, seek him and love him. At the heart of the gospel, we find that God's pursuit of man was thorough and complete. The son was sent and everyone was given an opportunity to accept him. The way to God was physically demonstrated by Jesus's death on the cross and access has been granted to the throne of God. Now, what we have now is not a relationship where God hijacks control of us and makes us love him. Instead, it's a wonderful invitation to follow him. His pursuit of us isn't a crazy man chasing down, but instead it's just a beautiful invitation to turn to him in love. A lot of people define religion as man's search for God, but the Bible paints a beautiful picture of God's search for man. The mystery of it all is that God pursues man. So when Adam and Eve hid from his presence, the Lord called, where are you? What God took from Adam and Eve in the garden, that the garden with all of its amenities, God wanted to replace all of those things in himself. And we see this in the poem that Thompson wrote in The Hound of Heaven, that everything that was taken from Thompson or what he thought was taking the medical career and the educational pursuits, God didn't want him to necessarily seek those or to even seek the approval of his father. He wanted him to find success, love, and happiness in his arms, in God's arms. God explains that what he took from the poet in The Hound of Heaven, the pleasures that led him in the wrong direction, were not intended to hurt him, but to help him find his way to the right path. The happiness that you think you lost, God says, is not lost, but stored for thee at home. The poet wonders whether the gloom he feels is nothing more than a shade cast by the hand of God. 
reaching out to him. But God tells him that the happiness he was looking for by running away was following him all the time. And I'm going to end by reading the last couple of verses of the poem. And it says, now of that long pursuit comes on at hand the brute. That voice is round me like a bursting sea. And is thy earth so marred, shattered in shard on shard? Lo, all things fly thee, for thou fliest me. Strange, piteous, futile thing. Wherefore should any set thee love apart? Seeing none, but I makes much of naught, he said. And human love needs human meriting. How hast thou merited of all man's clotted clay, the dingiest clot? Alack, thou knowest not how little worthy of any love thou art. Whom wilt thou find to love ignoble thee? Save me, save only me. All which I took from thee, I did but take, not for thy harms, but just that thou might seek it in my arms. All which thy child's mistake fancies as lost, I have stored for thee at home. Rise, clasp my hand, and come. Man, that's my favorite part of this poem. The fact that he said, I didn't take these things to harm you, but that you might seek it in my arms. And then he says, rise, clasp my hand, and come. The reason for God's pursuit is that we will return home to him. The Lord's presence is our habitation. He's pursuing us so we will run smack dab into him. He doesn't want us to flee a place, but he wants us to flee to him. The beautiful thing about God's pursuit of us is that it then gives us a thirst to seek him more. This is not just a pursuit of the sinner. God pursues you too. Those who have already accepted him, those who are his children. God pursues you to go deeper, to forsake areas of your lives that have fallen short. This pursuit is not a one-time thing that happens at your conversion. It's a lifelong pursuit. God is constantly pursuing you so that you can want more of him and go deeper in him. A.W. Tozer, author, wrote this in The Pursuit of God. We pursue God because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. No man can come to me, said our Lord, except the father which hath sent me draw him. And it is by this very prevenient drawing that God takes from us every vestige of credit for the act of coming. So you don't discover God one day and say, oh, I'm seeking God because I, I had an urge to seek him on my own. No, you're seeking God because he first sought you out. Let me read this quote. It says, man who moved out of the heart of God by sin now moves back into the heart of God by redemption. God who moved out of the heart of man because of sin now enters again his ancient dwelling to drive out his enemies and once more make the place of his feet glorious. So if you feel that God is pursuing you, if he's hot and heavy on your heels, you may want to stop and examine why. Is it because you're out of the will of God? Is it because he wants you to go to a deeper place in him? Remember, God wants to be our holy habitation. I appreciate you so much for joining me today. A kind listener reached out to ask about financially supporting the show. If you'd like to do the same, there's a link in the show notes that says support the show. If your podcast app supports them, the show notes are listed where the episode description is. You can scroll down and you'll find links for social media and you can even leave a comment to continue the conversation if you're so inclined. 
Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.